0: At your request, this episode is not about abortion. This episode is about something that many people have wanted to know my opinion on, which is homosexuality, the LGBT community, and how Christians should respond to this what is now a controversial issue. So I hope that you guys tune in if you want to know some filterless opinions on how Christians should approach homosexuality. Hey, y'all, it's Katie Thomas here, and happy Sunday. I hope everybody has had a good couple weeks. I haven't posted a podcast in a little while, but that's because I've been preparing uh, not only this podcast, but I have a special podcast coming up. Uh, It's kind of a surprise until I get things kind of in the works, but it's going to be super exciting. Um, I'm going to be having a special guest, and so you just have to tune in because it's going to be so wicked, but today uh, we're not going to be talking about the one thing that I know many of my podcasts have been about in the past, which is abortion, which if you're wondering why most of my podcasts have been about abortion, it mainly comes down to the fact that it's one of the biggest moral issues, I think, of this generation. Um, I think that much like slavery was a moral issue, Nazi Germany was a moral issue, Jim Crow laws were a moral issue, all these different things were moral issues. I think the moral issue that defines this era in time and history in the United States is abortion. And so that's really why I talk about it so much and why it's one of the biggest things that I have a pet peeve about. It's not even a pet peeve, it's just like absolutely disgusting to me. So I feel like if I don't speak out about it, then I'm not being genuine to what I believe. But the main reason that we're not going to be talking about that today is because in the one group that I'm part of, um, Prager Force, a bunch of people have asked that I share what how I view homosexuality um, as a Christian and how that can tie into politics and kind of the worldview that is the basis for what I make my decisions and opinions off of. And so... We're going to be talking about that today, but before I kind of go into my opinions, I'm going to kind of tell you the backdrop of which um, this whole homosexuality movement has come out while I've been in high school, because really it wasn't, homosexuality and being gay wasn't like a big thing that I realized was around me when I was um, in middle school, and it was until the summer before my freshman year that it really hit me that it was going to be something that our country dealt with. Um, not only on a political level, but also on a religious level, because the fact of the matter is those two, they're connected, but they can also have a little bit of different implications, which I'll get into. But I remember uh, June 26th, uh, it was the last day of summer school, my freshman year, um... So kind of going into my freshman year, I was taking a PE class. And I remember I was standing in the locker room with a bunch of these girls that I kind of knew who they were because we had like a friend in the same circle, but I really didn't know a lot about them. I hadn't talked to them. And really, I just kind of kept to myself. I had a couple friends and that was kind of the end of the story. But one of the girls ran in and she was like screaming, she was squealing. She was like, oh my gosh, they passed it. They, they upheld it. And you're all excited. And the other girl who Honestly, I've actually butt heads with a lot in high school um, because she's very left. She ended up, like, like being really happy. She was, like, almost in tears. It It was this whole deal. And I had no idea what was going on. I figured it was something political. At this point, I wasn't super, like, politically involved in anything. I had opinions. But I wasn't as involved in looking at how the government handles issues and how Christians handle issues as I am today. But I remember that I didn't know what was really going on. And when I looked at my phone, I just started seeing all these hashtag love wins posts. And then I realized that, and what I didn't know was in the Supreme Court, I realized that the Supreme Court had ruled um, in favor of gay marriage. And so it was like later that day I was in a health class that somebody asked me if I was excited about it. And, you know, I've been raised Christian um, I am a strong Christian. And so obviously because of that, I've been raised to know that homosexuality is a sin and it's wrong. So when I shared my opinion, immediately all the friends I had made in summer school, except for maybe like two, immediately didn't want to be friends with me anymore. They immediately thought that I absolutely you know, hated gays. I was a bigot and all these different names that really I had not been called in like a political sense ever. Um, I've been in middle school. I had run-ins for my faith. But it was it was very different at this point. And honestly, I'd say from this point forward, it's just been this one downhill slope. But my encounter continued because later that day, I had a friend that I was friends with back in middle school. She was a little bit older than me. She was already in high school. And she posted on Facebook a photo of a rainbow. Like, like not just like um, a rainbow flag or anything, but like she had taken a picture outside the school and it rained. And so there's a rainbow in the sky. And so in her perspective, it was very fitting because she posted – how can you say that God hates the gays when he puts a beautiful rainbow in the sky? And of course, none of my peers seem to know anymore what the rainbow actually stands for, which is God's promise to never flood the earth and destroy humanity again in in that way. But I immediately began to converse with her on Facebook and we talked uh, more like argued about it. And I kind of explained to her that Christians don't hate gays, rather they hate the sin. And so this is a concept that I think that, Lots of people are confused about. It. In fact, there's a there's a church in this area. I think I've talked about it on one of my first podcasts who speaks about how this is a, something that Christians shouldn't say. But ultimately, when we look at the idea of well, why why does God hate the gays? Why do Christians hate the gays? And why why would He if God made Christian or made gays this way? And so these are some fundamental questions that lots of Christians, even on a large Christians who are on a huge platform for audiences across the world, have struggled with. And there have been people in the Christian community who are very famous who have come out and been like, I don't know uh, about this issue. I don't really know where I stand. And that is a complete issue that we have uh, because it, it should not be something where Christians don't know where they stand. They don't know what they believe. If anything, I've personally found it more hard to balance out the constitution and this than it is Christian beliefs in this. And granted, like they kind of tie together in my opinion, but that's the biggest issue, I think. So the first question we're going to address today is, does God hate the gays? So the problem with this question comes down to you're assuming somebody's identity based on something of sin. So what we know is that um, when, you, when it comes to the gay pride movement, the, the people who are normally out marching with rainbows and, you know, as I've experienced getting in your face, those people are very 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 prideful in what they are. They tie their sexuality to their identity and that becomes a point of pride for them. Because it's no longer about the fact that they're a person, that that there's many assets of many aspects of them, but rather that I'm gay, that's who I am. And so to say if if you're tying your identity to your sexuality, Um, or as a Christian would view it, your sin, it's really easy to say, well, God hates the gays when the implication is that that's their identity. Well, in reality, God doesn't hate the gays as in a person who is gay. God opposes the sin. God opposes, because God opposes sin. He opposes that that is wicked and evil. That's God's nature because God is consistent. So the real mistake is not that God hates the gays, as in he hates this specific group of people. Rather, God opposes the sin of this group of people because the gayness does not have to tie to your identity. Period. Uh, People want to make it their identity, but often you see that those people end up becoming either very, very prideful, very up in your face, or ultimately and consistently, a lot of those people end up feeling very broken. So when you tie that to your identity, a Christian would know especially that that type of lifestyle is not going to be as fulfilling as people put up a face for it to be. But that goes for all sin. As we know, Um, you could be, I know, actually, this is probably the best example I have. I know plenty of people who have been sleeping with others either before marriage, outside of marriage, and they do that in order to find fulfillment, yet they don't. And that's not me hating anybody who's done that. That's almost another topic I probably would address in a podcast, um, how to handle sex before marriage, and if you've done that, uh, how I how I view that. But the problem is, is that those kind of sinful lifestyles never end up fulfilling. And those who come to Christ, whether they come from same-sex attraction um, or anything else, ultimately know that Christ is where you find your fulfillment. Because Christ, uh, we find our identity in what Christ has done for us in Christ. Because we are very, we're not... We're very like low level on our own. On our own, we're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. Actually, I was going to say low level because we're very sinful. Um, But when we have the identity of Christ, he gives worth and meaning to our lives because we're his children and we're a part of the kingdom once you're a Christian. So to say that God hates the gays... Um, is a premise that assumes that the identity of a person is based on their sexuality, when in reality, the only person who believes that or puts that forward is the gay person themselves. I don't look at somebody and assume their identity is that they are gay. I view that as a sin, as something they struggle with, and that they make their identity. It would be very similar to me if somebody was like, um, I'm a liar and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. And then made that their identity. Or, you know, I mean, this is a very extreme example. I'm not saying that like, I'll, I'll get into why this makes sense in a second. But, you know, you have a murderer who's like, I'm a murderer. That's my whole identity. The way that you view it is that's something that you've done or you struggle with or you sin with. But it's not your ultimate identity. Uh, because I, the way that I view it, there's, there's two identities that a person can have. A person can have an identity under Adam or under Christ. And so what this means and what it's talked, what is said in Romans specifically is that if you're, if you have not been saved, if you have not put your faith in Christ Jesus, then you are under Adam and you're under God's wrath. You're not under God's wrath just because you're just a person or anything. You're under God's wrath because every person has sinned. So if you're gay, honestly, that's probably not your only sin anyway. Uh, and because a lot of people, you know, say, I found out when I was in middle school, chances are before your middle school, before you're in high school, before, whenever you find out that you're gay or whatever, or that you have same sex attraction, you've already sinned. So really you're living under Adam. Those who have accepted Christ and want to live with, you know, live their lives for Christ and dedicate their lives. Those people live under Christ. Those are the two sources of identity. None of those are specifically because I'm gay. So it's a false premise. And that's why that's one of the things that bothers me the most that, Um, gays say. They're like, well, God hates the gays. It's like, no, God opposes sin. That being one of the many sins that exists. And one of the most prideful, I'll point out, uh, especially in today's society, is one of the most prideful forms of sin. Because in our society, our society likes to call what's evil good. And they say that that's good. Uh, And so that's where we're at. When in reality, God loves them and wants them to dedicate their lives to him and turn away from that And realize that they're only made complete and fulfilled in Christ. So that's the first thing that a Christian needs to understand when approaching the idea of homosexuality. Especially when you're approaching somebody who struggles with that or has that. um, And you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, it's something I oppose. I oppose the idea that Christians hate gays. I don't think that that reaches out to anybody. Now, I'm not saying you have to be close friends with anybody who is, uh, if that makes you uncomfortable uh honestly you notice that Christ sat down and he ate with sinners as a part of ministry but his closest friends were not um to that extent of sinners people who turned away from him he had his disciples that makes sense to me but to you know i work with somebody who is um who has same sex attraction they're not as prideful as a lot of people that i encounter um especially in my grade and generation but you know it's something i outwardly talked to him about and i was like hey i don't support what you do but i I want to, you know, care about you as a person because ultimately if you change from that, you know, that would be best. And, um, it was really sad to me because he talked about how in his hometown, there were a bunch of people who went to church. And honestly, I, this is just based off what he said, but he said that lots of people began to vandalize his car and say, you're going to hell and stuff. And even if you are under the wrath um, of God and under Adam, I don't think There is something about approaching somebody who has SSA um, gently and reminding them that God loves them and that they need to turn away from that because God has more for them. There's something that you have to be careful about that approach because otherwise you do end up labeling Christians as people who can't talk to gays and who, uh, I say gays loosely like people who identify as gay and it makes it impossible to minister to them. So we have to be gentle. We have to approach it because in reality, the wages of all sin is death. Even though the consequences and the implication may be different in this life, ultimately sin is sin. And we have a mission as Christians to evangelize and bring the gospel to people um, all across the world and of, of all different kinds of sins. I mean, we've seen people from very, very um, deep and dark places come to Christ. And there's no there's no reason for a Christian to think that somebody who struggles with that um, is not deserving of the same amount of grace as any of us, and that God doesn't, you know, want to come into the kingdom any less than any of the rest of us. And so I think that that's something important. Now, do I think the implications in society can be more severe? Absolutely. I think that there's a, when you lie, that's a little bit different. Um, Like a little white light still sin. uh, You still sin against God. But I think that the implications of being homosexual can severely impact society. And we see this uh, in the United States, especially in Western nations, with the breakdown of the family, so that this is something that has been researched by psychologists, sociologists, all kinds of different people, and they all conclude that uh, families that have a mom, a dad, um, and then ultimately reproduce are the most strong forms of families. And this this consists also of not divorcing. This consists of all kinds of different factors, but they notice that those families were the strongest. And that is not only the biblical setting of how a family should be, but that traditional family setting has always been able to upbring a generation that cares about standards and morals more than another. And so I think that homosexuality can have bigger consequences on the structure of a family in society than more or less other sins. But I think that ultimately we still have to approach it gently and, you know, with truth and love at the same time. But... Uh, another question that a lot of Christians face is, well, why, why would God make gaze this way? And so I think it's really kind of a tough, tough question to answer to some people, but it ultimately comes down to the idea that God does not create evil. God did not create sin. Sin came through Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, when they disobeyed God, that is when sin and death entered the world so it was free will and there, there's a whole you can almost take that on a whole different discussion but that's when sin entered the world and after that death entered the world and that's where we're stuck with so homosexuality is one of those sins it's something that was not made naturally by God in fact if you look to Romans in just Romans chapter one alone in Romans chapter 1, it says, Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were in fame for lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. So why is this important? Well, first off, lots of people like to say the Bible doesn't mention homosexuality or it didn't Leviticus, Leviticus. Leviticus is a little bit different. It's the Old Testament. So that's a whole other argument in theology of does the Bible, Old Testament matter or not. But if you're a Christian, you're like, well, yeah, the New Testament matters. Well, there you go. In Romans, it specifically talks about uh, homosexuality. And it talks about how it's unnatural. So for people to be like, well, you know, I just, I just feel this way. So it's the way God made me. No, it's unnatural because that's what Paul writes about in Romans. When God set up Adam and Eve and be companions, and when he told them to reproduce um, and to, you know, create people in the beginnings of this world, um, he did so because there was a plan and a purpose for that. There was a plan, and a purpose for how people are made and how families come together. And so when these women started doing things with women and these men started doing things with men, Paul notes that it was unnatural, meaning that it wasn't a part of God's order, meaning that God did not make anybody gay, but rather that it is some kind of choice and temptation. So all of us have natural uh, sin tendencies. I would say temptations that we face. Um, I don't struggle with SSA because that's not something that I'm tempted to sin with. Um, I might be tempted in other ways, but ultimately somebody might be tempted that way. And so that becomes like a tendency for them to want to sin, especially when the society around them tells them that it's okay. So in reality, God does not create that. It's something that people choose because it's one of the many ways to sin against God. And sin is just relevant in this world and it exists. And it's something that we're all guilty of. So that's something important to know as a Christian. I think that, once again, it, it it absolutely boggles my mind that there are people on the Christian platform who want to say that it's okay to be gay, that God you know, will love you anyway, love is love, but people don't want to define what love is. And I have a podcast, one of the first ones I made, it's called What is Love, and it explains that these type of people don't understand love. And it has led to a slippery slope in politics. So this is kind of where politics um, meets the faith. So... It's one of those deals where I honestly at this point think that the best way to solve for people struggling with homosexuality is not to make it illegal, is not to do anything like that in the government, but rather it's the it's the mission of the church. I think it's up to the church at this point, especially with how society's gotten at this point because, you know, it was a question of, well, should gays be able to marry and they have all these tax policies and stuff. My personal opinion, I don't think that marriage is an institu- should be something that's instituted by the government, period, because marriage was made to be something between a man and a woman and the covenant of God, and no government can just define that, especially ours, because ours likes to separate religion from the politics and from the policymaking they do, so I don't think that it should be an institution of government. I think it's a very delicate issue, ultimately, um, because I don't know exactly. I mean, like I said, I'm 18, I have opinions, but I really don't know how we would you know, make that a more local level thing. And because ultimately you're going to have people doing these things either way. We saw that people were having, were still trying to get married before we made it um, legal. And then you saw that people were still being homosexual uh, before we decriminalized it. But the key that I've noticed and I've even talked to my grandparents who lived during this time, was that if you were homosexual, there was a societal stigma against it. And I think the reason was, was because we used to live in a more morally based society where there were standards. So I think that that's not something the government can make. That's something that society adopts, if you will. And we have a very secular society. I think that we used to have a more, if not Christian, we had a little bit more of a standard in society that was known to be traditional. And I think that's ultimately what would solve for these problems. Is It's the mission of the church to spread the gospel and to empower individuals to leave that type of life and follow Jesus that I think will make a difference. Uh, I do think that marriage should not be of the government either, but ultimately that's the best way to reach people. And that's why I think it's a delicate issue with the government. But another delicate issue, and I've, I've seen this in the past four years only, uh, when gay marriage was first legalized, my dad and I had talked about the idea that eventually there are things that this community wants to be accepted in society, not just on a government level, but they want individuals everywhere to accept it, including Christians. That's why there's such a, a rub up against Christians and people who identify as gay as being their whole life. And that is that there are other things that are now being viewed um, as, well, what's wrong with that? We're having lines erased. One of them happens to be pedophilia. Pedophilia. People are like, well, love is love. It's like, no, there is a standard against that. That is pure evil. That is wrong. And we have a bunch of lines being erased. And that's, I think, has been kind of the goal all along. To erase these moral lines that we have that have not only protected people, but preserved our Western society. Because people tend to forget that our society was built on Judeo-Christian values and not just somebody making up random rules because they could. That wasn't the basis of society. What was so unique about our society was that we took morals from the Christian worldview and decided that those were good and tried to preserve those and put those even in our constitution to an extent. And people want to get rid of God in society now. And so now we have lines being erased. So do I believe the whole love is love thing is really good? No. I mean, there was something that popped up on my Instagram and I wouldn't dare show it because I just, I was appalled. And ironically, it was... It was weirdly hashtag pro-life, which I follow that hashtag because obviously I hate abortion. But it was like, it had five different couples on it. Um, Not like actual couples, but like, like kind of like the bathroom sign people you see had two women, two men, a heterosexual couple, a normal couple, if you will. And then it had an adult and a child and then a person and an animal. And it said, love is love. And obviously these are absolute, like, you know, in general, they're, uh, they're abominations to what God intended for these kinds of relations. We have such a broken society. That doesn't mean that we're nowhere, that doesn't mean that we can't fix it. That doesn't mean that God can't do revival, that he can't come and change people's lives. But it makes it very difficult for Christians to stand out when those moral lines are being erased and there are Christians out there being told, well, you're God can allow for this to happen as well. Your God made us this way. So you're know you either a bigot or you have to be an accepting Christian who accepts this kind of behavior. And I think that neither of those are true. You have to be a Christian who stands for the truth. And in politics, it becomes a balance between, is it the government's job to, to make this a thing? Or is it a person's and institutions outside the government's responsibility? And so I think that we're too far gone to just make homosexuality illegal and go do all those things. I think it's the mission of the church at this point. Absolutely. Hands down. I think that that is the best way to get people where they need to be because you say the government makes something illegal. You get lawsuits, you get all this kinds of stuff. You have somebody go up to somebody who identifies as homosexual, explain the love of Christ. That's what's going to change their life more than any government law. So obviously I disagree with. I disagree with homosexuality. I don't think our government should be legislating immoral laws. But at this point, I think the best thing to do is for Christians to take up the handle and to start ministering the best that they can and making it genuine and making it real. So that way, these people who struggle with this understand that there's a God who does love them and wants them to turn to him for fulfillment and for life because he died for them rather than holding up signs and painting your face multiple different colors and ultimately living a broken life. And ultimately never finding love because you don't just find love in a person. Um, I mean, a person can love you and you can love a person, but your ultimate fulfillment in love is going to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hands down, very simple. But the last thing I want to talk about in this podcast, that I think is very important as a Christian to recognize, is that the attack on Christians is the idea, well, you can't say love the sin or hate the sin. They're like, what a crap saying. In fact, there was a church that gave a sermon I'm not even gonna repeat the sermon series name because it was vulgar, had cuss word, and you know that's inappropriate. Um, and they were talking about how this is a crap saying, and I want to point to the scripture in Jude that specifically says, "Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire to show other uh, to fi- uh, Sorry. Snatching them from the fire to show others mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So, this is kind of my go to scripture when it talks about um, the idea of there are going to be those who doubt the faith. There are going to be those who hate God. There are going to be a lot of homosexuals who, um, for whatever reason, have been broken by their family, by a false view of religion in the past, and they're going to turn to this um, type of behavior for fulfillment. And the Bible calls for us believers to be merciful to those who doubt don't believe, who disbelieve in God, to save them from snatching from the fire, showing them mercy, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So obviously there is an element of looking at a person and being like, "God, God sent his son Jesus to die for you. And it talks about the clothing stained by flesh. It's like, that's like your sin. If you're, you can have sin, you can have the worst sin and you can still be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. And so there's this idea of reaching out to people And being able to minister to them in the midst of what's going on, being merciful to them so that way they may come to know the same love of Christ that you have known. So you have to love the sinner because once again, we're talking about the wages of all sin is that all have sinned against God. All have sinned. There would be no difference between somebody walking into a prison and ministering to people of all sorts of different crimes, even by the government standards and showing love to them. Obviously, like I said, different implications in our society sin altogether. You show love and mercy to them. Not only so that way you can just talk to them and engage in a conversation or even a slight relationship that would lead them to Christ, but also so that way they see the good of what God has done in your life. And you can be a testament to how good and gracious he is and how forgiving he is and how he reaches out to those Save others by snatching them from the fire, show them mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruptive flesh. You hate the sin because as Christians, we're called to oppose sin. Yes, we're going to sin, but we're called to repent of it, turn to Christ, and oppose sin and evil. And as we oppose sin and evil, as we oppose that lifestyle, we still reach out to people because ultimately, who, who are? why would we be any better? We have no reason to boast but in Christ alone who saved all of our sins, or saved us from all of our sins, rather. So that's the biggest thing that Christians need to take away is that, yes, we are to hate homosexuality just as we are to hate any other sin and any other thing that is against the goodness of God. But when we talk about people, we're talking about people who are under Adam, who are living in the wrath of God, who ultimately, although I don't think you should advertise this harshly because that's not a way to win people of the kingdom, but who ultimately are going to suffer the consequences if they don't know Christ Um of eternal damnation and that's that's a scary thought it's not just like a well they're going to hell it's a scary thought it's a very scary thought to know that there are people who could have walked and had a relationship with christ had you said something had you been kind had you told them the goodness of god and how he can save how he did save on the cross how there's this eternal torture and darkness and just it's awful And honestly, it's something that every Christian should be terrified for other people on behalf of because we know the goodness of God. We understand that we have a mission, the command of Jesus to go out and to make disciples and to spread the gospel. And this is one area that I think that Christians have a reputation uh, and maybe rightfully so based on how some Christians have acted of hating these kinds of people because ultimately we make the mistake as well as tying their sin to their identity. I think that somebody, their identity is either in Adam or in Christ, not in being homosexual, not in being, you know, anything else, not being transgender, not being a murderer, not being an adulterer, none of that. Their identity is either in Adam or it's in Christ. If their identity is in Adam, we have a mission to go out and to tell them the great news of what our Savior has done. So if you're a Christian or, you know, even if, you know, if you're even somebody who struggles with SSA, feel free to DM me on at filterless podcast uh, on Instagram and honestly, and honestly, if you're a Christian and you're wondering, if you were wondering how to handle this issue, um, which is delicate, I hope that this podcast episode helped you to understand how Christians need to biblically look at homosexuality, approach those who suffer with it and ultimately advance the kingdom of God. So I hope that you all remember to follow me at Filterless Podcast on Instagram uh, to check up on my other episodes where we talk about abortion and all kinds of controversial things. And ultimately, I hope that you guys remember that it's okay to be filterless with your opinions, be kind, be aware that there is a need in this world for people to know Jesus, and ultimately, I hope you guys have a wonderful day.